Hey everyone, and welcome to Mind Body Green's beauty podcast, Clean Beauty School. I am your host and beauty director, Alexandra Engler. Today, we are talking about oral health and your smile. When you think about it, it seems strange that we don't dedicate more time to talking about oral health in the beauty space. To start, your smile is key to your overall aesthetic. I mean, there is a reason that cosmetic dentistry is such a huge part of Hollywood makeovers. But the oral health and beauty connection is even bigger than that. For example, the way you hold your jaw can affect your facial alignment. Or how you breathe and how you hold your mouth when you breathe can affect your hydration levels. Your gums are deeply connected to overall inflammation. So your oral health is deeply connected to the larger beauty combo and yet get such a small part of the airtime, which is why I was thrilled to have on today's guest, Gary Curlatola. Dr. Gary is a biologic restorative dentist. If you're confused about what that means, don't worry, we go over it in the episode. But a general overview is his approach to dentistry and health is more holistic in nature. In addition to regenerative dentistry, his practice also specializes in cosmetic dentistry, which makes him the perfect expert to have this conversation with. Gary, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Alexandra. Well, I am so excited to chat about this today. We haven't done an oral health episode yet, and so I know that I am very eager for this because I've been wanting to do one for a while, and I know how important oral health is in terms of your overall aesthetic and, you know, the beauty conversation writ large. So this will be such a good episode for our listeners. But before we get into the nitty gritty of that, I would love for the audience to get to know your story. Can you share your journey with us? Yeah, you know, I, you know, and I, I really appreciate being on because I always like to say oral health is the 800 pound gorilla in the beauty and wellness room. You know, as a matter of fact, you, you, you really, it, it, it's at, it's so foundational for your overall health and beauty. But my journey, you know, I, I like to believe, and I, I, I have believed for a long time that, you know, we come into this world and each one of us has a life purpose, a mission. And there is a plan, I believe, for our lives from before the time we're even born. And for me, that happened at six years old. You know, I was, I actually went to sleep and I was trying to think, what should I be when I grow up? You know, and I actually remember like going to sleep and saying a little prayer, what should I be when I grow up? And I heard this voice. I really did. And little boys, I remember this like yesterday, like, yeah. I, I want you to work for me. And I thought like, oh, that must be God. You know, I'm going to work for God. <laughs> I'm going to be a priest. <laughs> And, yeah. and I went downstairs, told my mother and father, I think I'm going to be a priest. You know, I think God wants me to work for him. And my mother's like, well, you could work for God in everything you do. So I said, yeah, that seems, you know, yeah. And uh, you could do everything as if you're, you know, working for the, that, you know, higher power. So I went to sleep the next night and it was like a Rolodex of jobs with <laughs> like fireman, policeman, astronaut, doctor, and then dentist. And I got stuck on dentist and it's just an unbelievably, you know, vivid memory that yeah. I didn't even like be going to the dentist. I was out of the three children in the family. I used to get the most cavities, even at six years old and going to the dentist. And I had been to the dentist a few times already at six. I was like, I, why would I want to be a dentist? 
And, uh, and the reality is it never left me. And I said, well, the first thing I need to do is make a business card. And I made a business card to be a dentist at six years old. Oh my gosh. That's but, so cute. I, it's, it's been so rewarding. I'm, I'm approaching my 40th year as a, as a practicing dentist. And it, it has really been so rewarding because what I see is you know, the profession needs to change. And I never really particularly, it seemed very mechanical, you know, even though I loved, you know, I was a, I was a neuroscience major in college and a, and an art minor, I, I was a sculptor. And I, so I loved working with my hands and dentistry is one of those professions that bring art and science together. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree. And I know from your practice that you really do blend together a very holistic mindset and lens at which you look at dentistry. And, you know, I'm curious about how and what led you to this point of view. Was there a moment in particular or was it just kind of this longer progression? Because I do think it's a very unique approach to dentistry. Absolutely. And dentistry needs to change because there is, you know, I just published a, a, a informative pamphlet for medical doctors and for other dentists to be aware of the 10 sources of toxicity and inflammation in the mouth. And they range from mercury fillings to fluoride and all these things that we thought were so great that actually are toxic. And, and so when I came out of dental school, I, I actually was, it felt a little unfulfilled that I was, you know, a mechanic of teeth. And I really was like, you know, dentists are physicians of the mouth, you know, and the mouth is on the front line of your ability to live a longer, healthier life. Like if you have gum disease, you have a 10 times greater chance of a heart attack or diabetes. Uh, or a heart attack or stroke, seven times higher chance of diabetes, 700% higher incidence of premature low weight babies or pregnancy complications like preeclampsia and like five different types of cancer are related to just one ailment in the mouth, which is gum disease, uh, a chronic source of inflammation, which has debilitating effects on the whole body and really ages you pretty quickly as well. So. All of these things seemed so overlooked in the drill and film and billum world of conventional dentistry. So there was a master's program in holistic health that was being pioneered by probably one of the first wellness doctors, um, functional medicine doctors, even though that term wasn't even invented back then in 1983, but it was attracted to functional medicine and, and looking at root causes of disease, which had me gravitate to adopting a more holistic mindset. Like your mouth is not divorced from the rest of your body. And as a matter of fact, it's essential to the health and wellness of your whole body. So I did this program. And then there was another program in the, in night in the 1980s was that program that was a master's program in, in functional, in in holistic health, they called it back then. And in 1983, holistic health was like voodoo. Most, most doctors wouldn't even remotely look at it, you know, and now you have, you know, amazing programs in major medical schools around the country and functional medicine and integrative medicine and what we call biologic medicine and biologic dentistry. 
And those terms really originated in Europe. And there was a Dr. Thomas Rao wrote, wrote one of the first books on biologic medicine. He was in Switzerland and he founded the Paracelsus Clinic. And I was really drawn to it because the first thing people that patients who came to him with cancer, autoimmune disease, heart disease, all of these major systemic issues, the first thing he'd do was evaluate their mouth and evaluate what were the sources of toxicity and disease in the mouth. And, and so that was revolutionary to me is that yeah. here's a medical doctor, you know, sending you to the dentist and it was a dentist that was trained by him in biologic dentistry. And that philosophy of medicine, you know, it was really fascinating because it's, it's rooted in this belief that we have a life, a divine life force. And that life force gives us the ability to self-regulate and heal, to truly express our beauty. We have to be in alignment on many different levels. So there's a biologic level of health and wellness there. And that's, you know, there's bacteria and infection. We fight that we fight decay and, you know, gum disease, but that's a biologic level, biochemical pathways. These are hormone pathways. So many, so many people suffer from thyroid disease because of toxicity and that affects hormone regulation and just, you know, being under stress affects hormone regulation and it affects the production of cortisol, insulin and cortisol levels and things like that. So there's biologic, biochemical, and then there are energetic pathways and energetic pathways to me are so fascinating because we know that these are energetic meridians. Acupuncture in Chinese medicine has known this and respected this for thousands of years, but there are actually meridians from teeth to your organs, which, which again, when I first studied this, it seemed like voodoo. And then I, yeah. I, I myself have witnessed being able to eliminate an infection in a tooth and see an improvement in an organ system that that tooth may be energetically connected to. We're actually seeing gum disease as a precursor to cancer because of its effect in dysregulating the immune system. So we have biologic, biochemical, energetic pathways. And then the last two are really, really fascinating out of these five pathways in biologic medicine, and they are psycho-emotional. So that's a fourth level of, of dysregulation or health that, that psycho-emotional people, there is one of my favorite guys who wrote about this years ago. One of the fascinating books that I read was by Dr. Bruce Lipton. He wrote a book on the biology of belief and what he showed, he was a renowned cell biologist from Stanford university. And he showed that what you believe can change your DNA. I remember reading, reading a book by, uh, Dr. Bernie Siegel in the 1980s a very, you know, he's a brave, it was a brave book by a medical doctor and it was called love medicine and miracles. And he saw that the people who recovered from cancer and, and other really life-threatening diseases were people that had a positive mindset and the faith to believe in what they couldn't see and being sure of what they hoped for. And that 
has a powerful effect. That psycho-emotional component is very important in health and healing. And doctors are recognizing that more and more. But the fifth level is spiritual, which we never talk about in yeah. Western medicine. It's so disconnected. But, you know, it's, it's not. So what do you mean by spiritual in, in context to this conversation? Because like, you know, I am somebody who considers myself like, I, I believe in something greater out there. I just don't know what that is. Would that be considered spirituality in like the, the context of this conversation? I'm just curious. You, You and I and everyone on this planet has a life force. We are mind, body, and spirit. You know, yeah. mind, body, and spirit. And so the spirit was always pushed off into the religious world. And even though there are systems of medicine, like spirit is referred to as prana in Ayurveda and chi, mm-hmm. C-H-I, chi yeah. in Chinese medicine. And in Western medicine, it was like we disconnected that. Just yeah. the way dentistry was disconnected from medicine 150 yeah. years ago, illogically. Which is so strange when you it's think about not, it. Yeah, well, we it's just so. That. That's really bizarre. But yeah. What I what we know now is that we have this field. It's called the field, and that field extends a foot and a half from our body. It's actually that's our spirit and our consciousness, our mind. I, I was listening to a podcast of a, a neuroscientist, and she was talking about the difference between the mind and the brain. I you know we used to think okay. that the mind is up in this gray matter in your brain. Your mind is actually your consciousness and it resides in your field, which is your spirit. So your mind, that consciousness resides in your spirit. How do we connect spiritually to the cosmos? And we talk about chakras, right? We have, you know, crown chakra, third eye, throat, uh, solar plexus, sacral and root chakras that we know, these seven energy centers. And we talk about how to balance chakras. You hear this talk about how to balance chakras and all, but probably the most important, like connecting, like putting the plug back into the socket in the wall is through the crown chakra connecting to source. What, what I call God or creator or, you know, source. And as a doctor now, you know, and trained biologically, I can actually feel people's fields, whether they're connected or not. And when they're disconnected, it's kind of like a balloon that's losing air, you know, and, and, and when they're connected, they're vibrant. You can experience someone's field, you know, a powerful field where they're connected and people who meditate have very strong fields because they allow themselves to get reconnected through that meditation, prayer, faith, you know, these things help to keep that, you know, life force vibrant, vibrant. And and so biologic medicine recognizes and respects those five levels that each of us has biologic, biochemical, energetic, psycho-emotional, and spiritual. And when those are in alignment, we look beautiful, we vibrate and resonate powerfully with each other when alone and with each other. And you know, when other like people who have strong fields come together, it's like we all become this big, beautiful force. And that's why, you know, I, I always love connecting. That's why I love, you know, this podcast, you know, we're talking about dentistry and 
what's this dentist talking about a field? <laughs> because I've, I've witnessed, I've witnessed this because when the field, when you're disconnected from, you know, your field is disconnected, you know, you, that, 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 you know, they call it the Christ consciousness that connects, connects us to source when that's disconnected and they have stinking thinking. Like I have people come in, a lot of people come to me from functional medicine doctors that are referred and their mouth is a toxic landmine and they have, you know, autoimmune problems or chronic Lyme or cancer or all these other things. And they're like, you know, we've got to get this toxicity out of the body. You know, I can honestly say that 90% of toxicity and inflammation is in the mouth, whether it's mercury fillings or infected root canals or cavitations, which are really fascinating. It's jaw osteonecrosis in areas around their third molars that are sources of chronic inflammation and all these other things. They have all this going on, but if they are not in the right mindset or, or not connected and not yeah. aware, it's very difficult for them to recover. People recover much better. And Bernie Siegel, God bless him, this medical doctor, still alive. He's back in, back in the eighties, wrote that book, Love Medicine and Miracles that that began to like change my mindset about this. Yeah, this is all so, so fascinating. And, you know, I, I obviously, I had, I had several questions that were more geared to about what your practice was in general. And, you know, you answered them also beautifully already. I have some questions about how oral health and how, you know, everything that we've just been talking about, how it relates to beauty. And you obviously even mentioned beauty in your answers several times. So there is obviously this very strong connection here. And I guess the first question I just want to ask as part of this broader beauty discussion is what is your beauty philosophy? Yeah, I, I mean, the, 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 they, they say that the eyes are the window to the soul. Yeah. Uh, and, and I say that the smile is a mm. window to the spirit. So, you know, I so, so enjoy doing cosmetic dentistry. And, yeah. and I recognize when I did it really, I have many awards for the cosmetic, cosmetic dentistry I did. I, I love the artistic side of dentistry. I work with very talented people. As a matter of fact, my Italian ceramist is with me down here in Florida right now. And, and we work together to have the smile, you know, really fit the person. It's the center of your self image. There's a famous, you can actually go online. There's a famous, the, there's a famous card, not a cartoon. It's a, it's a, um, it's a picture of a guy who's missing a front tooth and he's also missing an eyebrow. And yes. The first, thing, the first thing you notice is he's missing a front tooth. You don't even notice that he's missing an eyeball. It's so funny you brought that up because I actually saw that for the first time. I forget what social media website I saw it on, but I, I saw it for the first time like two days ago and I saved it because I knew I wanted to bring that up in this conversation. <laughs> so <laughs> that's great. That's great. Yeah. So, you know, it's so amazing. I, I, you know, cosmetic dentistry really emerged in when I was coming out of dental school. Yeah. So I was working with a lot of the composite materials in dental school. I was one of the first dentists doing porcelain laminate veneers in 1983, which was a way of putting a new skin on your teeth, right? People with discolored yeah. teeth, spaces in the teeth, misshapen teeth. You didn't file them all the way down and make caps. 
which are crowns, which are full coverage. We were able to do very conservative things with cosmetic dentistry that can dramatic, dramatically improve a person's appearance. And, and that picture, that photo that's been making the rounds on the internet is a classic example of the fact that, you know, you don't even notice other defects in the face. I mean, I have patients who come to me and they're like, oh, you know, I need a facelift and I need, I need this. And I, I talk to them about the structural components of their bite and how with a proper bite and opening the bite, the sagging chin goes away, the marionette lines in their face go away. And so many things improve in their appearance just by good restorative cosmetic dentistry. And that's really, really exciting to do. I see yeah. cosmetic dentistry is the first time that patients hug me and kiss me <laughs> after I did something. They never did that if I did gum surgery. Sure. That's <laughs> that. You know, That's you, so funny. you improve somebody's appearance, it, it improves. So, you know, I, I, I believe the eyes are the window to the soul. The smile is a window to the spirit. And yeah. when we let out a joyful spirit and a smile, it people around, you know, I, I visit a country. I actually have a license to do dentistry there in Barbados in the Caribbean. Absolutely. I, I, I feel a real connection there. They also have the largest number sent, what do they call them? Not centurions, centenarians, people who live to a hundred. Oh, sure. Yeah. In Barbados. Yeah. And there is, no matter where you go in Barbados, if you smile, even the like, kind of like, you know, like anyone who yeah. has like a sour look on their face, they immediately smile. Yeah. Everyone smiles at each other. They could be like so down and look like, oh, I don't even want to smile at that person. He looks like he's you know, really not, not a happy guy at all. And you smile yeah. and he goes, Hey. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's, there's that um, famous research that people often reference when they do talk about, you know, improving your mood is that if you just, the physical act of smiling triggers something in us that, you know, yes. helps improve our mood in that moment. Just yes. because the act of moving those muscles sends something to our brain that, <laughs> we're happy yeah. and you know so like it's clearly there is connection there absolutely absolutely but you know the shadow of the smile uh, this is what i call i did a did a whole piece on the shadow of your smile and actually i think vogue magazine did a cover story on me called the shadow of your smile and it was about that the toxicity like making pretty teeth it, you know with with toxicity and disease and inflammation not only will that shorten the life of the work that's done. And there are yeah. many cosmetic dentists who are good artists out there and they don't have a clue about mm -hmm. toxicity and inflammation that could be causing major systemic um, issues and, yeah. and worsen a person's health. Like for example, many of the tooth colored resins that we use have bisphenols, BPA, right? So we use these cosmetic materials to make the smile look better. But, you know, and so I was sounding the alarm about the fact that, you know, it's called bisphenol A, a glutamic acid methacrylate, bis GMA resin. This is the most popular dental restorative material that's used cosmetically. And, uh, and it's loaded with BPA. And they actually did a study. They did a study on on a uh, um, couple hundred children who had dental sealants done with conventional bis GMA resin. 
and they found a strong connection to attention deficit disorder and hyperactivity in children from the chemical exposure of the, what they were saying, a strong correlation to BPA just yeah. in those resins. And a lot of dentists use these BPA resins. Um, they call, it's called BISGMA resin. So I found a company in Europe that has developed a new composite that's BPA free. And now the movement is BPA free filling materials, BPA free bonding materials for cosmetic dentistry. But that's just one example of how dentists, you know, they're focused on the mechanics and the art of like making a nice smile, but you really have to be just as concerned with the biocompatibility of the materials that they're using and that they're yeah. toxic. Yeah. That, you know, that brings up something that I wanted to ask you in general, because I know a lot of people who are listening to this, I know that they're going to want some tangible advice on how they can take care of their, their oral health day to day. So, you know, we're talking about a lot of things that like dentists are, are doing poorly in their practice, but that, that makes me question, you know, what sort of things are the average person doing day to day that likely isn't the best for their oral health. You know, what are the right. habits that we need to stop doing? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I want to start by saying, you know, it's not that dent dentists are not consciously doing things. No, of course not. They're, yeah. They're using, there are many, many fine dentists out there that do beautiful dentistry. They just need to be educated and concerned. And that's one of my life missions is to yeah. really change the profession and have them behave as physicians of the mouth and do the beautiful restorative artistic dentistry that they're used to doing, but do it knowing that what they're doing is not only making the patient look better, but also protecting their long-term health. Mm -hmm. uh, and dentistry is on the front line of longevity medicine and a lot of other things. But, you know, one of the things that, you know, I have four cornerstones of oral health. So this is really a terrific question. It's in my book, you know, the mouth body connection. Yeah. Uh, I wrote the book, The Mouth-Body Connection, because I wanted to help everyone understand that, that their mouth is not divorced from the rest of their body and give them some simple things that they could do to improve their, their health. I've spent 20 years studying the oral microbiome, this naturally ideal yeah. mouth. And I developed a product called Revitin. Revitin... R-E-V-I-T-I-N, if they go to Revitin.com, I developed this. This was a passion to change what people put in their mouths to brush their teeth. Another life mission is to change. Toothpaste was developed by soap makers, you know, 150 years ago. It's basically flavored detergent for the mouth. And in the 1970s, it, we were looking at, you know, causes of decay and we were seeing these bacteria flo floating around. And this was all rooted in the germ theory that you know, tooth decay comes from bacteria. So you got to kill, kill plaque, kill bacteria, you know, kill the bacteria in the mouth and even natural toothpaste, which has emerged in the last 20 years and become so popular and actually 30, 40 years. The first, you know, Tom's of Maine was one of the early ones that took the garbage out, the, the artificial flavors and the artificial colors, but it was the same detergent philosophy. So I was, I did some research and discovered, wow, there are some key nutrients that are missing. And I started studying the fact that this ecology of the mouth, the, the plaque is an unhealthy expression of the natural ecology called the oral microbiome. 
And so I developed a product that was safe to eat, that even children could eat. Because most conventional toothpaste that has flora has a poison warning on it. And that poison warning is there because there's enough fluoride in a full-size tube of toothpaste to be fatal to two children under five. Yeah. And in the 1980s, late 1980s, one of the major toothpaste makers, we'll leave them nameless here, but people will remember it was called Sparkle. It had, it was fluorescent blue. It had sparkles in the toothpaste and it was flavored like bubble gum. So oh, children gosh. were eating the toothpaste. Yeah. And fluoride fatalities in children went up something like 280%. And it took the FDA a while of back and forth. And finally, they mandated a poison warning on toothpaste. So the first thing that everyone could do is look at the label of their toothpaste and use something that's non-toxic, but also respects the science of balancing this beneficial ecology called the oral microbiome. That's what I did with Revitin. The second thing is all about nutrition. The, you know, people need to think in terms of alkalizing because we know an acidic environment in the mouth is conducive to causing an imbalance in this natural ecology called the oral microbiome. And it shifts the balance to more acid loving bacteria. Like ba there's a bacteria called Streptococcus mutans bacteria. That they thought was responsible for tooth decay, but in actuality, the imbalance and overgrowth of this bacteria causes tooth decay. When that bacteria, um, it, when those bacteria are imbalanced, that bacterium, I should say, to be proper English, <laughs> but the Streptococcus mutans bacteria in balance are benign. They're benign. Yeah. Yeah. They don't get decay. And what's even more flipped out is that when that essential beneficial ecology is in balance, the oral microbiome transports minerals from your saliva to remineralize your teeth. You don't need to put chemical fluoride in there. Oh, it actually brings transports molecular oxygen to your gums to keep your gums pink and healthy and well oxygenated. You don't need to be using chemicals to kill everything. So I have what I call AAA nutrition, alkalizing, anti-inflammatory, and antioxidant rich. So what's anti-inflammatory? This varies with people's constitutions, but there yeah. are inflammatory triggers with foods. Yeah. Yeah. And then antioxidant rich, we burn a lot. We oxidize a lot. And, you know, depending whether we're under stress, a lot of teeth whitening products work by a process of oxidation. So they, we use hydrogen peroxide and carbamide peroxide. So in our office, we isolate the gums when we whiten teeth, and then we use an antioxidant gum mask. Where Vitin, by the way, is loaded with vitamin C, CoQ10, vitamin E, sure. vitamin yeah. D3, K2, and That's fascinating because those are a lot of the same ingredients that we use on our skin for brightening. I didn't realize yes. that there was a connection with oral health too, but I guess that makes sense. Yeah, yeah that's well, fascinating. Nick Pericone wrote the intro to my book, Nick's book, The Wrinkle Cure. The first book he wrote was all yeah. about your skin needs antioxidants. People didn't understand. You have to feed your skin. You have to feed your smile. Yeah. And, and, and that's feeding your smile, not just with what you're eating, but with what products you're, what 
um, uh, products you're using to brush your teeth. Yeah. So yeah. that's one. So the third is really interesting, and that is managing stress. Okay. So by the way, right now, you know, since the pandemic, we've seen an epidemic of tooth decay and gum disease. That's the wow. that's the secondary epidemic of tooth decay and gum disease, and the um, the interesting thing is that you know this was sort of unexpected, but wearing a mask also raised levels of carbon dioxide that created a more acidic environment, which I was just speaking about. So one of the things that is really important is to manage stress because what happens when you're under stress, saliva dries up, it also shifts the balance of the oral microbiome. It destabilizes. So what we look to do is promote microbial homeostasis or balance the natural ecology of the mouth called the oral microbiome. And so managing stress is not just important for your body. It's really important for your mouth. And you can do that a number of different ways, yoga, meditation, whatever ways we want to take the body out of sympathetic mode of the nervous system. That's fight or flight. Yeah. And we want to move the body into a more rested and regenerative state, regenerative state called the parasympathetic mode of the autonomic nervous system. And, you know, you could take a sauna and do that. You can do a number of different things that are very, very effective for, and, and yoga and meditation are always at the top of the list for taking the body out of sympathetic mode into parasympathetic mode and manage stress in your mouth and in your body. And the fourth one is healthy exercise. Healthy exercise is not only important for, you know, the regular, you know, for basically uh, a healthy circulatory system, but also it creates a more competent immune system. Healthy exercise is really important for a healthy immune system. I, my original book, The Mouth Body Connection, I had four cornerstones of oral health and they were, you know, the first was eliminate harmful oral care products and detergents. The second one was about AAA nutrition, alkalizing, anti-inflammatory, antioxidant rich. The third was about controlling stress. And the fourth was the um, importance of healthy exercise. But there is a fifth area that has become so, so important for oral health and beauty. And it's yeah. sleep, sleep, yeah. airway health. So yeah. obstructive sleep apnea affects a billion people on the planet. It's so interesting to bring this up because this is actually something that we've been talking a lot about in our beauty section, you know, this entire idea of breathing properly and how this affects obviously your entire body, but how it specifically affects your skin and hydration levels. And as we've been talking about this, oral health has come up time and time again. So, you know, I'm I'm just so curious to hear about what is the connection there between how we're breathing, especially while we're sleeping, and what that does for our oral health. So I'll link to the story in the show notes, but recently we did a story on breathing and skin. How you breathe actually affects your skin hydration levels. Specifically, you should be breathing through your nose, as mouth breathing doesn't have the same filtration and hydration systems as your nostrils. Additionally, when you breathe through your mouth, that large amount of air intake is also faster and drier, which can create the perfect storm for overall dehydration. 
as loads of air passes through your lungs without the necessary filtering, research shows that people can experience a net water loss of 42% from mouth breathing alone. Now, at this time, there hasn't been any research done on the direct effects of breathing and the skin, but we can make educated assumptions that if your body experiences such a dramatic water loss from mouth breathing over time, that likely affects the integrity of your skin barrier and overall hydration levels. There's still much we don't know about the skin breathing connection, but it is an exciting area to keep your eye on as I assume more and more people will be discussing it in the future. This is so critical and, you know, many dentists are, don't look at this, but it 90% of what we call upper airway resistance has to do with the shape of your mouth, the room for your tongue. A, there's a biologic dentist friend of mine who wrote a book called six foot tiger, three foot cage. And the six foot tiger is your tongue. The three foot cage is your mouth. When you have a narrow arch, a high vaulted palate, people whose palates are really, really fantastic book for everyone to read that I thought was very well done. It was mainly because it was written by a journalist and not by a doctor because most doctors wrote books that are too technical, which is why I had a, I had a co-writer help me with the connection because <laughs> I had all this knowledge and information, but I wanted to make it enjoyable to read. And that, uh, so it's a book called Breathe by James, N by James Nestor. It's an easy, this sounds familiar. I feel like this has, yeah. What he talks about is the fact that, you know, people who are not breastfed, they don't develop proper palate, the proper formation of their palate because breastfeeding helps to flatten the palate, a broad, wide palate. So bottle feeding and the shape of the nipple with most baby bottles is, doesn't allow for proper, proper palate formation. Then there's also tongue tie. If the baby, a lot of children, what we've discovered could not breastfeed because they couldn't latch and they couldn't latch because they were, there's something called tongue tie. So if you open your mouth really wide and lift your tongue to the top of your palate and you can't reach without closing, very probably you're tongue tied and that affects your ability to breathe. So the tongue is rather than the tongue position resting on the back of your upper front incisors, your tongue sits down low and further in your back of your mouth. So think of your tongue as a rubber stopper in the neck of the bottle and that neck of the bottle is your air. A lot of people had orthodontics when they were young and they had teeth pulled to make room for a pretty straight smile. The problem is when you pull out the bicuspid teeth to make room to make a pretty smile when your teeth are crowded, it shrinks the airway even more. It shrinks the arch. People who have narrow faces and narrow shaped arches, the tongue rests further in the back of their mouth and they tend to have a high vaulted palate. So it's all connected, but a billion people on the planet are suffering from obstructive sleep apnea, which causes them to get a terrible night's sleep. So everyone should also know that obstructive sleep apnea, sleep apnea is you stop breathing in your sleep. Yeah. Everybody thinks, oh, it's snoring. Oh yeah. My husband snores and this one snores and all that snoring is a symptom. Snoring is a symptom. So what we do immediately in our dental practice is we screen people for obstructive sleep apnea. We use um, a 3D scan called a cone beam. 
And that will show us the shape of the airway. Is it narrow? Is it wide? Is there room? What does the palate look like? And, and then we, I actually do virtual consults with people all the time. I have them get a scan. We read it and we send them something called a home sleep study. So in the old days you do it, you did a sleep study. You went to something called a sleep center. I know like 16 years ago, I did one of these, my brother's a cardiologist and he's like, you know, I'm going to check you for sleep apnea. And, and what they did is they sent me to the center and I had all these electrodes on my head. I think I was able to sleep for an hour with all this garbage attached to me. Yeah. Now it's like a little swatch wristwatch <laughs> and a little sensor that goes over your finger and a tiny adhesive thing over your breastplate. And we get eight pages of data from our respiratory therapist. And we're able to see how many times do you stop, stop sleeping? What's your blood oxygen level through the night? So people have to get up and pee in the middle of the night. They often are, that's a, that's a sign of sleep. Bedwetting in children, hyperactivity in children is also mm -hmm. sleep apnea can be a cause of that. What, what's really fascinating in the oral health world. And by the way, if you're breathing through your mouth at night because you have sleep apnea, a lot of people have sleep apnea, can't even breathe through. They have a, what we call upper airway resistance. And so their jaw drops open and they're breathing through their mouth. They're not I think I do that. Now I'm scared. Yeah. <laughs> if you do, so like they, 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 there's a very popular thing is to do taping. Yeah. Taping. Okay. And if you have obstructive sleep apnea and you're taping, you're not going to be able to breathe. Because yeah. the only way you can breathe is through your mouth. And What's interesting is that people who have severe sleep apnea, the first thing that the medical doctor wants to do is put them on CPAP, this forced air device, wearing, wearing this mask that forces air in, which has a host of other chronic long-term problems. But the most important thing to keep in mind is that CPAP is re really treating the symptom, but not correcting the problem. And now we have an orthopedic appliance called the DNA appliance, DNA, um, and it's the Vivo system. And we have, you know, one of the doctors on my team who's here with me right now, Dr. Dean Ray, I was a national advisor in airway health for Vivos. And there's three parts of the Vivo system. There is an appliance that helps to actually expand the maxillar and mandible widen, actually stimulate stem cell activity so we can remodel the bone for people to have the airway that they need. We release tongue tie with a laser. It's, it can be done in like two minutes. We can release tongue tie with a, with a dental laser. And then the third thing is we have to retrain the tongue. The most powerful muscle in the head and neck is sure. the tongue. And we do these it's called myofacial therapy, myofunctional therapy, and it's retraining tongue position and tongue movement. And there are exercises that people can do. So I'm so excited about this because it's yeah, this sounds connected to health and beauty in the, and not just, you know, in, in your whole body, because yeah. we regenerate, we regenerate when we sleep. So if we're not getting adequate sleep, not only are we at risk of heart attack, stroke, dementia, early dementia, and high blood pressure, diabetes connected to sleep apnea, all of these diseases, higher motor vehicle accidents. So they, we actually do these sleep studies for athletes, 
not just athletes, but people that work for FedEx and, and for UPS and truck drivers and all these, you know, because there, there's much higher incidence of motor vehicle accidents if you have sleep apnea. So it's so, so fascinating that all of these things are not just corrected, connected to you living a longer, healthier life. All of these things are connected to you being beautiful. Yeah. No, I mean, absolutely. Like I said, we just, we have been researching the connection between breathing and skin because it is such an intricate connection. And we, you know, in a, in a lot of our research that we've been doing internally for stories, it really does come back to this idea of how you breathe when you sleep. So this is certainly all connected. And I, the next thing I want to ask you about is a little bit related to this and it just has to do with basically posture and how we are holding our jaw you know I get so many questions all the time about tension in the jaw and tension around like the the lower half of the face and I would imagine that has a lot to do with oral health and dentistry right absolutely absolutely and you know we were talking about obstructive sleep apnea yeah condition uh, called upper airway resistance. And what's really interesting is that, you know, people, you know, medical doctors, cardiologists, especially because of the higher incidence of heart attacks and all from sleep apnea, but the solution is in the mouth. Yeah. Creating a six foot cage for that six foot tiger called the tongue. And what's also interesting is people who suffer from TMJ and occlusal problems from this narrow arch. When you correct the airway and you expand, the TMJ goes away. All that stress on the joint goes away. You have a prettier smile. Because you ever see those people, they smile and you see their front teeth and then you see these dark shadows on the side because they have such a narrow arch when they smile. Yeah. Big dark areas we call the buccal corridor is dark. And a lot of cosmetic dentists try and like build out the teeth artificially to make it look like you have a fuller smile. But really those people need an expansion of the arch, which corrects their sleep apnea. It corrects their TMJ and it gives them a prettier smile. Well, my daughter is doing this therapy right now. And I just saw her recently and she, and I, she smiled and I said, Grace, you have this beautiful smile. I said, your smile has become so much more beautiful. And, you know, she had orthodontics, you know, to, to expand it and things, but really this new technology was really an orthopedic, um, surgeon who created this, this orthopedic device. It's an orthopedic device to expand the arch and it gives you a a prettier smile. So it's, you know, when she smiles now, she, you can see, you know, the teeth further back in the mouth. And her airway is better. She's never slept better. And it, this is so holistic because we cover so many bases, right? We improve the ability to breathe. We eliminate the stress and TMJ. They have a prettier smile and it's all right there in the mouth. Is this something that is becoming more common in dentistry? Like, would somebody be able to go to their yes. dentist and find it? Or do you have to like yeah. find a specialist? Here's, like, I'm just yeah. curious about well, it how. Is, it is, you know, we are, we're, we're one of the, we're one of the leading practices for this. Okay. Um, and it's a very detailed education for the dentist. And, and the, the Vivo system is a patented and proprietary system and dentists have to be certified. For okay. It. Sure. Uh, 
I think every dentist should be. And, you know, I, I had, you know, Alexander, one of the things that I, you know, before I leave this planet, which hopefully is not anytime soon, <laughs> but before I leave, I really want to change the practice of dentistry. You know, like and yep. I said, you know, there are baby boomers like me that not just want to look younger, but we want to live healthier, longer, and vibrant lives. Our body, and that's why I love biologic medicine and biologic dentistry, is our bodies have this amazing ability to self-regulate and heal. The last thing that I wanted to chat with you about is how you take care of yourself. You know, I do you have any daily wellness practices that you have to do every day, whether that's meditation, whether that's working out, yeah. you know, what, what is your I overall wellness routine? Well, I meditated, I meditated when I was in college, I learned transcendental yeah. meditation yeah. when I was in college and I did it in college. It was great because, you know, I was pre-dental, pre-med, pre-dental, same program. And it was stressful. And I, and then I was a, I chose a double concentration. I was an, I was a biology psychology major. And then I was, art was a therapeutic outlet for me. And I yeah. love to sculpt. And that's why, you know, I really enjoy the aesthetic dentistry and cosmetic dentistry and being able to do that part. And one of the things that happened over the years is I stopped meditating. And, you know, I was just busy and, you know, I didn't get it. I lost the regular practice. And when the shutdown happened, you know, when I was like, just basically unplugged from what we, you know, we all were unplugged from what we yeah. did every day. It brought me back to meditating and it was transformative for me. It was really transformative. It's funny. The ding on my phone went off as I said that. <laughs> and so I start my day you know, with a meditation practice. And even if it's only 20 minutes, everyone should try it because we need to, we need to close off our minds. You know, it's not even a, it's not even a religious practice, even though I've heard it said that, you know, praying is talking to God. Meditation is listening to God, listening to the universe, listening yeah. and being still. And that's really important because we're bombarded, you know, especially in the electronic age, you know, it's so funny. There's, you know, I go into restaurants and I just observe, you know, everybody's on their phone while they're being served and, and families don't talk to each other. Yeah. You know, they don't, they don't talk to each other because everybody's texting and Instagramming and da 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 da. So meditation is one of the ways that I start my day and it's so good. And then regular exercise, you know, getting into it. It's funny, you know, I, I, I actually tore my Achilles <laughs> during the shutdown. Which oh my gosh. If, if the universe was saying anything to me, because I'm a really active guy, I'm always on the go and I'm always speaking and treating and, you know, I, you know, I have, I have a wonderful team of people that I work with, but I'm always go, 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 go. And, and I couldn't stop. I was still, even when I got unplugged, I was doing, 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 and I wasn't stopping. And so I started training and, and I was training, you know, really hard during the shutdown. And then, and you know, I was eating, <laughs> everyone was, everyone was baking. I, baking. <laughs> I actually didn't get on the baking train. So <laughs> he was making sourdough English muffins and sourdough bagels and sourdough breads. And it's like, like, he was like, I was just like, blowing up and I was like, well, I'm getting heavy. I better start training. And, da, da, da. and it was like this meditation thing kept coming back. Yeah. And 
And then finally, you know, I did something stupid and I tore my Achilles, which is a terrible injury for anyone. It is a terrible industry. One of my friends actually just tore his Achilles and oh my gosh. It's, it's like a year of recovery. It's horrible. I was like, I was like, okay, God, I'm going to meditate. <laughs> and like I am pretty loud and clear. <laughs> yeah, so like, you know, meditation is really great to start and finish your day. Regular exercise, absolutely. And, you know, I'm, I'm really trying to be more directed and less dri driven. But, yeah. You know, everything, you know, people say, I have to, I have to, I have to, I have to. And then, you know, one of the things that I think the message behind the shutdown is maybe you just don't have to so much. Maybe yeah. you could just stop and smell the roses. And so trying to do the things, you know, if you, if you work doing the things you love, they say, you know, you'll never work another day in your life. Yeah. So I think a lot of people have thought about career changes in this period. A lot of people have thought about doing more of the things they love and not being afraid to get off the treadmill. Totally. Of life totally. And, and enjoy. So when I get off this, po when I get off this podcast, I'm going on a Boat cruise. <laughs> Perfect. I that gets my stamp of approval. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I think that you should actually go get on it right now. <laughs> so thank you so much for joining me today. This was such a fascinating conversation. I am so I, I'm so inspired to look at some of my own habits. And I I just I think everything that you said just resonated so deeply with how how I view my own health and how I think that a lot of people and a lot of our listeners view their own health. So I know that people will find this conversation fascinating and you know, walk home with some good advice for themselves. So thank you so much. My pleasure. This was a pleasure, Alexandra, and thank you for having me. Well, thank you again. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for coming by and listening to today's episode. If you liked this episode and you like this podcast in general, don't forget to rate and review us. And I will see you next week.